Alright, welcome guys. Uh, today we're going to do a special episode. So we're going to do a recap, kind of a recap, of the South by Southwest Festival. Uh, the reason why I say kind of a recap is because we only had like a limited selection of what films. what we were able to view. Yeah, what we were able to view. We could not see like the main headliner, so um, like everything everywhere all at once, and The Lost City, uh, the Nick Cage movie, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Oh, I didn't know that was a South by Southwest. Yeah, that was a premiere, so yeah, like a lot of those we could not see because of the fact that they were geographically restricted and the studios would not allow them to be viewed online. But that did not stop us from watching some pretty great movies. Mm -hmm. I, I think this was actually supposed to be our... Um, Honeymoon was going to a film festival and, and this actually made up for it. Yeah, this actually well It's funny cuz I think this was gonna be one that was on our short list of what we we're gonna go to mm -hmm. And then we decided to go the more cheaper route with Palm Springs, but then that got canceled Affordable, not yeah. cheaper. Okay. Yeah, the more, more affordable route. Yeah, more affordable route. What? She's shaking her head But anyway, yeah, the more affordable route was Palm Springs, but um that got canceled. That got canceled. And then South by Southwest did more of a hybrid uh, version of their festival this year with online um, premieres and also premieres in person. Now, the online premieres were coincided with the ones in person as well. So mm -hmm. if they premiered online, it also showed at the festival. There weren't any exclusively online that I can think of. But, um, but yeah, so today we're going to start off with the documentaries that we saw. We saw four of them during mm -hmm. this festival. And then that's on top of, what, seven narratives, I think it was? Yep. So 11 feature films altogether. That's pretty... That's more than what we usually do in a week, yeah. in a two-week period. But, well, um, if you add it all up, because we took breaks. So if you add yeah. it all up, it's really like three days worth of movies. Yeah, give or take. Mm -hmm. But anyway, we'll start with the documentary. So the first one we're going to start off with is Mickey, the Story of a Mouse. This is... A documentary that's going to be premiering on Disney Plus later this year. Not sure when exactly, because there's no release date announced on any of its like wiki pages or IMDb or anything like that. But this is the story of how Mickey came to be. Like when Walt Disney first thought of him, and then how Mickey came into being like the staple of the Disney uh, Corporation and like the symbol of the Disney Corporation. And the culture that it, he brings. Mm -hmm. Like everything that he brings along with him. And, and all the changes through the decades on the way they drew him, um, what he started to represent, mm -hmm. what limitations they started to have. And this actually, it, it doesn't, like there are some parts where it doesn't shy away from the fact that Mickey did have kind of a troubled past. But then mm -hmm. again, if you look at like, everything that was happening during that time, it was almost not exactly socially acceptable, but it was kind of like going with the trend of how the world was. So like... Are you talking about the... Like... The Mi ones for the war? Yeah, Mickey yeah. with the war bonds, Mickey, blackface Mickey. Yeah, That was, was one as well, even though I think back then that was kind of unacceptable, but, but still done more common than mm -hmm. it is now. It, not a thing now really but well now it's not even socially acceptable and if people were to see that they probably mm -hmm. balk because that's not the mickey mouse that they know that they grew up with but we also have to remember that mickey was created in the 20s right? yeah yeah in the 1920s so there were so many different cultures and countercultures you know within all that decade because it's been what uh 10 decades Give or take, yeah, it's yeah, been. 10 so there's bound to be changes. Oh, yeah. And, and I think that's what's so great about Mickey as a character is the fact that 
you know, as the world changes, Mickey changes as well. Mm-hmm. And he at the at the end of it all, though, he's still like this fun, lovable character that Walt Disney created. And not only do we see the history of Mickey Mouse himself, but we also see the history of Walt Disney himself. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, he came from a pretty abusive, ba- not abusive background, like a strict background. Mm-hmm. And so to escape, he would go by a tree and draw. Yep, and, famous oak tree. Mm-hmm. And... So that's where like a lot of his characters came in and then like Mickey took off and then they had to kind of create other characters to... Well, before Mickey took off, Walt Disney was actually working at a different studio and created something else. Mm -hmm. But because that studio had the rights, he couldn't take that with him. So then from there, that's when he actually created Mickey to have his own studio and his own rights. Mm -hmm. So it kind of gives you a little bit of um, history of how Walt Disney also learned to adapt and what he needs to do to protect his own rights. Mm-hmm. It's like not a major deep dive. It's only about 90 minutes or so of the history of both Mickey and the history of both Walt Disney. So there's bound to be some like, oh, why didn't they include like the um, long storied history of Walt Disney's supposed anti-Semitism mm-hmm. or like how Mickey was... Um, drawn in more controversial ways and like it gives little hints here and there not like major deep dives and i think that's but then it also gave the importance of why they had mickey drawn that way right because he did have you know there was a specific reason Mm -hmm. and he did his work yeah but then later on as mickey grew to you know his own personal persona that and disney figured out Mickey is a family kind of thing, so he they need to make him to be more um, family friendly. Yeah. So that's where he did almost like a one eighty turn on his own personality because mm-hmm. Mickey in the past, if you look at all the old ones from Steamboat Willie, he wasn't he's not the Mickey that we know today. Oh he's no, not that that fun loving one. He was very mischievous, mm-hmm. especially with all the drawings with um, Minnie. Yeah. And all the stuff that he did, mm-hmm. it would not pass today. Oh no, God no. But um, I think the director of this is a guy named Jeff Malmberg, who mm-hmm. has had some like um, history with Disney. I think he's actually worked with Disney before, like for the Disney Studios before. But um, he does a pretty good job with like showing the character of Mickey and making it just fun. Like this is, like I said, not really a deep dive, not really a like, oh, I didn't know this about Mickey, I didn't know that about Mickey. I think a lot of it I already knew about. And I th- and you kind of forget. Yeah, you kind of forget about it. But then, and as they're showing the history of Mickey, they, all, they also are introducing a new short film yes. about Mickey. Um, not gonna, like throughout the decade. Yeah, Mickey throughout the decade. It's called Mickey in a Minute. And that's actually pretty cute. I, yeah, that's, I like that. It was cute. Yeah, and it's interesting to see like how Walt Disney has, or the studio has become like, this giant thing and it still is Mm -hmm. but in terms of like illustrating mickey i think one person mentioned like how i went from 100 people down to three or something so yeah there's a lot that's in here that's really fascinating to hear and there's a lot in here that you probably already knew so it's not quite as eye-opening or intriguing but i i think this is a pretty story yeah this is a pretty light pretty fun documentary so Mm -hmm. I, i think Overall, I'm going to give it a 7. I liked it. I can't say I, it was one of my favorite documentaries to see, but it's still, it's a good one. Yeah, it's not my favorite documentary. I do kind of wish they went in a little bit more, but, I mean, given 90 minutes, mm-hmm. not a whole deep dive that you can really do, so yeah. it kind of glosses over a lot. 
Um, I do agree with giving this a seven because it's not my favorite, mm-hmm. but it, it did give little bits of information that I didn't know, mm-hmm. or I probably do and I completely forgot. Knowing me, my memory's not that great. Ah, uh, mine's worse. <laughs> yeah, I know. And we're married, so how does that make it? <laughs> all right. Um, As Walt Disney says, it all began with the, a mouse. Yes, it all began with the mouse. And look what that mouse has brought. There's quite a bit to, to, to still enjoy with Disney and the studios and Disneyland and Walt Disney World mm-hmm. and all that. So, all right. That concludes our review for uh, Mickey, the Story of a Mouse. Like I said, it comes out later this year on Disney+. Plus. Uh, can't give you a date yet because they haven't said yet. We don't know yet. when the date is, unfortunately. But, yeah, and that's the thing with the South by Southwest. Like, a lot of these films don't even have release dates yet. Or ratings, either. Mm-hmm. So, I think this one's unrated. I can see it being PG, though. Oh, yeah. Um, all right. Uh, do you want to talk about this one? <laughs> sure. <laughs> so, our second documentary is... Um, what we leave behind. Now, initially, I thought that this was going to be a really heart-wrenching story because it's basically a love letter from a granddaughter to a grandfather, um, documenting his life that's in Mexico. Yeah. Um, it starts out where he takes a bus ride, mm-hmm. and basically, he's he used to make trips from I think it's two. Tijuana? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, from Tijuana to Texas every month. Mm -hmm. But because of his old age, he's not able to do that anymore. So she kind of did this as a little documentary documentary in his life. I will admit, I did fall asleep a little bit. Um, It was was sweet and it's cute, but for me, it seemed to have lost its focus. I think, yeah, I think when you and I talked about after this had ended, we were a little uncertain of how to feel about it, mainly due to the fact that this... While there is a real like heart to it and mm-hmm. everything, and it's really precious that the granddaughter decided to do this, it almost feels like a feature-length home movie. Mm-hmm. And because there's there are some scenes where like she's filming, and then you actually hear her say, "Oh, I can't focus this, focus the camera or something yeah. like that," and um, you know she's having trouble trying to get certain shots or adjust certain focuses or frames, and that's when it's like this could have worked better. If it was like a home movie to keep amongst themselves, mm-hmm. granted, I do like that they shared it. Like, I I do think it's an interesting story, and to see this grandfather who's like pushing ninety, I think he's almost pushing a hundred actually. Uh, the listing says eighty nine, but yeah, I think in the I movie, think in the movie he was close to being a hundred. Yeah, and, and he's building a house. Yeah, he's like he's not giving up. By he's hand. yeah, he's he's not giving up. Like he's just living his life, doing mm-hmm. what he wants to do, and, like, more applause to him. But at the same time, like, I kind of felt like... And this is a short, short documentary. Like, shorter than Mickey. It's, I think, like, 70 minutes or something like that. So so it's, like, it felt like it lost its focus as it was going. Mm-hmm. But I think that, you know, it's beautifully shot. There are some great scenes that you see of, like, El Paso, Texas, and of Mexico and yeah. everything. But I don't think it's really as captivating as it wants to be or as intriguing as it wants to be but it does have a nice heart to it it did look at the, i will say what i that little bit of that trailer that you showed me earlier to see whether or not i wanted to see it made me want to watch it but mm-hmm. as i was watching it, it started to go down mm-hmm. and it 
And I talked to you before how it felt like it was a school project that she yeah. was doing. It didn't feel as if it was, not saying it has to be a big production, but not something I would expect, I guess, from for to be submitted to South by Southwest. Well, they actually do have, um, and this is one thing I've got to tell you, like South by Southwest does have some projects that are like, school projects that are submitted there by, yeah, by I mean this seems more like a high school project production yeah but the, but this this wasn't high school or, or, or an art school yeah this wasn't a high school yeah. or art school kind of production this was actually I think this is probably looking to be picked up by some studio like maybe a focus features or some kind of document or not documented but some, some kind of studio like the, like an indie studio um, but I don't think that it really has the um, appeal. capability the appeal the appeal to like go to a wide audience or mm-hmm. even like a limited audience I think this is a very niche uh, kind of uh, documentary but and I, I kind of wonder how many years it took her to do this because you kind of see him in the beginning where he's still very mobile you know still able to build a house and everything and it kind of goes through to his death which mm-hmm. I honestly I think my, more because of my culture, I don't want to see that on film. Yeah, uh, you I know, agree. Some be of real life, obviously. Acting-wise, is a little different, but mm-hmm. you know, it's it's not something I'm comfortable with. Seeing. It's and even to me, it's a little morbid, mm-hmm. in my opinion. It's and I know that some cultures will like they want to have those last moments with mm-hmm. their significant others, grandparents, whomever. But I I just I find it morbid that people do that. Yeah, and. But like I said, you know, this is, it's cute, it's sweet. I don't think it really has the impact that it wanted to have. Um, but, and I'm going to go with the same route I did with Mickey and give this one a seven as well. Oh, gosh. Would you give it? A four. Oh, see, I, I liked it, but I, I'm still, like, kind of uncertain about it. You I, know? I didn't like it too, too much because I didn't find it to be appealing to a wider audience yeah actually hang on let me change my grade i'm gonna go to go to a six because yeah, stick it to my four okay that's fine yeah to me it, it wasn't something that's to a very wide audience yeah um i mean as me my nieces and my sister say not my cup of tea yeah um i usually do like documentaries that kind of depict people's lives a little bit or even you know different cultures and stuff because that's a chance to learn mm-hmm but with this one, I didn't get to really learn much about culture or really about the grandpa except for him trying to build a house and the uncle who barely talked. Yeah. I th- I'm thinking some aunts that mm-hmm. were just gardening and a dog. So, yeah, it, it didn't really appeal to me very much. Yeah. Understandable, but yeah, I, I think seven is a little too high. I think I'll give it a six because of the fact that like I like it okay, but I'm not like too sold on like what they were trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, all right. So now we'll focus on the next documentary. We've got two more to give you guys. All right, uh, the next documentary we're going to talk about is called Crows Are White. Now you're probably thinking to yourself, they're black. Crows have never been white. That's because there's actually a Ref, that's um, a reference to something that is said in the in the documentary, um, and essentially what this is about is a filmmaker travels to Japan to uh, film and like do a documentary on the Buddhist monks. In uh, it's a part, 
it's a specific scepter yeah. of the Buddhist monks. It's the um, Tendai monks. Tendai monks in Mount Hiei. Hiei? Is that how mm-hmm. you say it? Okay. Yeah, in Mount Hiei. And so they have like very strict rituals. It's funny because like I think when he first gets there, he wants to interview someone who's taken a vow of silence. Yes. And <laughs> so, yeah, that, as you can tell, that creates a pretty awkward scenario. But... Um, there's, you know, situations like that. They have other situations where it's like they have to do like this weird, it's like an exercise or something like that. And then they have to bang a gong uh, during the exercise, right? Um, it, so they chant. Yeah, the um, chant. That's a chant. Is yeah. that what you're talking about? The chanting? I, I think it's the chant. Yeah, my bad. Yeah. So it's it's almost like an initiation um, or not exactly an initiation. It's a ritual that you kind of have to go through and you do a certain chant and then there's the gong and you do something else and mm-hmm. then there's a certain chant you have to kind of repeat it and you have to do it so many times in order to be accepted yeah and what's this is where the story gets interesting because as the director is filming this chant his phone goes off yes and he's pretty much barred from entering the temple mm-hmm. ever again or yeah ever again pretty much yeah. like it's indefinite they, they don't allow him um into the private sector yeah. of the temple yeah because parts of the temple is actually open to the public Mm-hmm. So they basically said, you know what, no more, you're done. Yeah, and that's where, like, his story gets a little, like, he even he says in the documentary, like, he's not sure, he didn't think he was ever going to complete mm-hmm. this project. This took him a lot. This a took him several year. years, yeah. but uh, I think it was like five years or something like that, and he actually filmed over three separate continents. Um, but the, the thing is, like, he actually turns it into a more personal project. So, like, mm-hmm. you get both this... Um, aspect where you actually get to see the monks and their rituals and then you get like his personal story as well and what's th- what that's about is he's um, he's Muslim Muslim yeah mm-hmm. but I mean, he was like uh, Saudi Arabian that's what it is he's I think he's Saudi Arabian but he uh, they have a very strict culture as well and you know theirs is like you have to marry a Muslim mm-hmm. um, and he's been hiding from his parents the fact that he is married to an Irish woman. It's like, it kind of goes into... Oh, and the funny thing is, so his parents actually escaped Saudi Arabia and moved to Ireland. Yeah, I, I was going to mention that, yeah. And then he actually went off to the United States uh-huh. for filming. And that's when he met his wife. And that's where, he, yeah, where he met his wife. And, like, you know, he kind of goes into the whole, like, growing up, they followed this very strict culture they followed mm-hmm. certain rituals and then when he moved to the u.s is when like he just let loose yep. and that's kind of what um he explores when he meets that other monk who mm-hmm. is kamahori. Like, yeah kamahori mm-hmm. um just oh wait i'm no, no, talking no, no, about no. the one who took his vow for silence no no, so, no 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 not that one so he there's another reason why he did this documentary as well is because he wanted to ask him a question to mm-hmm. help him with his problems see if mm-hmm. they can help him which the monk that he was following is Komahori. Yeah. But then the one, I know what you're talking about now, the one that where he, um, he this is the monk that actually is more taking charge of the Taurus area. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, if you have questions, he also helps answer the phones and stuff. So his English is actually pretty good, but I think it was because he also went to Australia. Yeah. Um, but he basically helps take care of the public part mm-hmm. of the temple that is um Ryushin. yeah Ryushin. i didn't begin with an r but yeah he that <laughs> he's really funny because of the fact that like you know he 
wants to follow the, the traditions of the, the Buddhist monks and everything, but he also wants to carve his own path. Mm-hmm. And how he does that, like how he escapes and like kind of gets into his own zone and everything is listens to Slayer and listens to heavy metal and he goes and eats ice cream and eating ice cream is out loud. <laughs> but like, but like there are things where it's like not considered allowed or not really considered formal for yes. the, the the Buddhist monks and so it's it's really fun. Like they form a good friendship and mm-hmm. then, you know, as the director is trying to like find his um the way to talk to his parents and everything and, and uh You mean his grandpa? No 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 his parents. Oh, oh his okay. parents his the director's parents. parents, yeah, his okay. own parents. Like talk to his own parents about the thing that's been like kind of bothering him. bothering him and like putting strain on the relationship between him and his wife. Mm-hmm. And so those parents, but at this point, still don't know they're married. Yeah, and so like there's a lot that goes on in this documentary, but it's actually like I found this really funny. I found this really just informative as well in like multiple ways, like you know different cultures and also mm-hmm. in how to approach people and how to be accepted even when you are not like from different that's different that culture as well. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, this is. I really loved this documentary. I think it's one of my favorites that came out of the festival um, that we got to see. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm gonna give this one because I, I think it was a little. I was a little unsure where, where it was gonna go at first because he was kind of like going off the place for a little bit and like his narration was uncertain at first. Like you can tell in his voice, he was like, "I don't know what to do." And mm-hmm. and like, I mean, I'm sorry, but when you get kicked out of a temple and you get yelled at by monks. Mm-hmm. You're not gonna know what to do because you don't expect yeah. one. You don't expect a monk to yell at you mm-hmm. or to get mad at you because you know they usually don't. But the reason why these ones do is because of either safety for their monks or safety for their rituals because they don't. They do make it a point that they a lot of the stuff they don't do public. Yeah, and they don't show the public because they don't want the public to have a bad perception of them because they understand that public does not understand why they do this and there are some pretty hardcore like like things they have to go through um that they talk about but yeah this is this is a very informative very funny very sweet documentary Mm -hmm. i even though it was like a little unbalanced at first but i still think it's just all around great i'm going with eight and a half on this one i am a little bit lower just an eight okay i'm not giving it a half a point but um i loved it i mean yeah I liked how the director went on a journey mm-hmm. to try to ask somebody else the question. Well, the initial person he asked, apparently, could not answer him because it took about seven minutes. So then he went and followed him on his journey. Mm-hmm. And then when he got kicked out and not allowed to follow him on his journey anymore, he found somebody else to help ask that question he wanted to ask who couldn't help him, but helped him in a different way to kind of rediscover himself a little bit. Mm-hmm. And when he was able to once again talk to Kamahori, who now that vow of silence has been broken because it's already been so long, still go back, ask that same question years later, mm-hmm. still unable to get that straight answer. Because I think what he really wanted was just a straight answer. But in the end, not only did he go on somebody else's journey apart with them, he went on his own as a self-discovery and mm-hmm. figured out what he needed to do to do it. So I loved it for that. Yeah. Um, but I gave it an eight because I, I kind of wanted to 
know a little bit more mm-hmm. about both of the different the Muslim culture and also the Buddhist sect culture. Yeah. Um, and on their religion, how they kind of play out because it's a little bit different from mine. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I don't claim myself to be Buddhism more Taoist than I am, but we still kind of go through, you know, that same thought process is still kind of there. So I wanted to know that big difference. Yeah, I, I think, like, for the fact that he was unable to get um, certain things at first and then kind of decided to take it in a different route, I think for what he was able to do, he does pretty well. Mm-hmm. But I, I do agree there are some aspects where it's like, oh, they could have gone more into this and more into that. But I, I do think this is a really fun documentary. And I definitely worth checking out, definitely worth watching. All right, so now we're going on to the last documentary that um, we saw. we're almost there! Yep. <laughs> the last documentary that we watched uh is tony hawk it's about tony hawk Hawk? no 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 it's about um oh until the wheels fall off tony hawk yeah until the wheels fall off so the last documentary did is tony hawk until the wheels fall off so like in the name this is basically about tony hawk's life and his life in skateboarding it goes into when he started out and all the troubles and hardships that he had to go through how basically he skateboarded in empty pools, mm-hmm. which I thought was actually genius and amazing that that's where they learned how to skate was, you know, or to do the tricks, I should say. Yeah. It, it amazes me, though, because I've never really been much of an X Games fan or skateboarding fan because I cannot skateboard. I've tried it, and I cry every single time. <laughs> so, but it still amazes me on the tricks and that ambition he had and that focus and concentration that he has on skateboarding because he's tried other things other sports he's not a sporty guy or he's never known to be a sporty guy like his brother Mm -hmm. or you know anybody else that's in his grade whenever he's doing sports he's always that skinny scrawny guy and he's still skinny scrawny guy now but who knew once he got onto a skateboard he flourished yeah and the the opening scene where like he's in his 50s, so it's present-day mm-hmm. Tony Hawk, and he's trying to do, like, his signature move. Um, was it the 360 or something like that? Uh, or it's like one, it's like one of the moves. No, 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 not the 900. The, nine, oh, okay. the 900, he retired a long time ago, but okay. um, he tried to do, like, a 360 or a 540 or something like that, mm-hmm. and every single time he just fails. But yeah. then he gets up and does it and tries to do it again, and he just keeps on doing it and doing it and doing it. And what's great is it gets to a point where he crashes so hard and mm-hmm. the 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 uh, skateboard is upside down and the wheels just keep on spinning yeah. for the longest time like it's it's a great shot and it's a great way to begin this documentary now i grew up watching the x games when i was younger even though i didn't have cable i would watch it like on espn at my grandma's house or at my friend's house or i think they would maybe air some games on like the local channels that i would get mm-hmm. and so i'd watch those as well but I wasn't really, like, too much invested into, like, the life of Tony Hawk or Tony Hawk, you know, material and everything else that came out um, when he was rising to fame. And, you know, I didn't know that the skateboarding world had actually seen a dip after he had, like, slowly become popular. When he started, yeah, when he started making a name for himself, it was like, oh, the skateboarding world's actually probably going to crash pretty soon and you might have to find something else. It's like, I didn't know that. I, you know, just mainly watch the games mm-hmm. and everything, but it really goes into like a lot of history of skateboarding world and like the history of Tony Hawk and 
everything else like you know you got interviews with his family members yeah. you got interviews with his, the, his past um Crew. His crew and like the people that he looked up to, mm-hmm. who then he surpassed when he became really popular. Like a lot of people that he admired, yeah. he actually outgrew in terms of fame and popularity. Popularity, mm-hmm. um, and it, then you get interviews with them, and they're all very candid interviews. They're yeah. all very and the the way they dress is like very much how they dressed when they were younger. They're still kind of like dressing in that almost punk like style and everything. And punk like or not punk like punk like style. Sorry, they're, they're very uh, not. I want to. I don't want to say grunge, but like yeah, the um, skater boy kind of. Sk- yeah, skater boy. That's the best. Bahama, yeah, kind of, you know the flower pictures. Yeah, and these are people in their fifties. Like they're yeah. still dressing this way, and it's kind of funny to see. And it's you know they they grow up and they mature, but like they're wardrobe style is still the same which i find funny you know, I know some seem a little mature, but, <laughs> but um yeah this is it's a pretty long documentary like most documentaries last about 100 minutes maybe a little bit less than that this is, this a, is two hours nice. two hours and 15 minutes mm-hmm. but it doesn't really feel like it it actually no feels... i think because of all that action that you see of not just mm-hmm. tony hawk but other people also doing you know their stunts their skateboarding yeah and what got me was I didn't know well because one I've never really been much of a fan, but I didn't know and I thought it was really interesting how people like when Tony Hawk started before he became very famous, how much people despised him. Oh yeah. Because all he did was tricks. Mm-hmm. But now it's kind of it's those tricks that people want to see because they don't understand and appreciate how hard it is and how much that has taken over and you know Tony Hawk was, was basically before his times oh yeah he pretty much brought the skateboarding world back into what it is well what it, it was back during like the late 90s or the early mm-hmm. 2000s um, even though his rise to fame was like right as it was kind of going down but then like he brought it back up and like he got so much like in terms of like licensing for games and licensing for skateboards and everything mm-hmm. else like he he brought I, I really find it fascinating how it mentions he was getting like six figure paychecks by the time he was 17 yeah 17 and it's like i can't even imagine being that age I, and yeah I, I mean and he and the thing is like he actually goes into like you know being 17 and getting that much and how it's just like you don't know what to do with mm-hmm. it you know and or like and being irresponsible with the money. Admitting to his faults and yeah. everything. And that's what, another thing that's great about this is that even at his age, he admits to the faults that he's had. Like, there are, you know, there's mention of his divorces that he's had. and Or at least that one divorce. Yeah, and they're like, one. he kind of mentions, like, other relationships um, as well. But he doesn't, it doesn't say... Deep dive. Yeah, it doesn't go into, like, the multiple divorces that he's had. But, you know, and there's also a great scene where he goes and sees his mom at the nursing care mm, home. Yes, I thought that was sweet. And that actually, um, I'm wondering when they started filming this because she died back in 2019. Um, and um, so I'm wondering when they filmed this mm-hmm. and like how much of it they filmed and then if they like stopped doing everything when the pandemic hit or mm-hmm. what happened. But yeah, this is, even if you're not a skateboarding fan, um, it's still very informative. And oh man, some of those crashes that they show on here is like, Ooh, it's yes. very like, oh, it hurts. It, it hurts. And 
it, yeah, it definitely, like, there are some where even though it's archived footage, mm -hmm. it's still scary to see because of how oh, yeah. brutal it is. Especially when they fall and then all of a sudden you see, you know, the helmet completely yeah. breaks off and it's like, dude, that's a helmet. It's supposed to be protecting you. How hard did you have to hit mm -hmm. for that to break off and then fall? Or, you know, some of the scenes where they really needed a medic mm -hmm. to step up there and off. Yeah, it's scary. I, I think like one of the ones was where Tony actually did wasn't the one that he was trying to do like a loop around the circle mm -hmm. and then he just falls and yeah. smashes his uh, head first on the on the ground. It's yeah. like, ooh. But yeah, this is definitely worth watching even if you're not a skateboard fan. Um, and it's it's great because it's not really like a like a VH1 behind the scenes kind mm -hmm. of documentary. This is like a very hardcore hard-hitting documentary and very uh informative and also like you know telling you if you're gonna make it try to make it big or if you not try to make it big but if you do make it big this is how you should mm -hmm. avoid getting into what tony hawk got into and what others got into as well yeah i like this one a lot i think along with crows are white this is probably my second favorite yes. of the documentaries that came out um so i'm i'm gonna give it the same grade i gave crows are white i'll give it an eight and a half I'm giving it an 8. I liked it a lot because it was very, not only was it on Tony Hawk's life, it was more of the skateboard, mm -hmm. like this whole skateboarding culture and the whole skateboarding life mm -hmm. and how it grew. It was so popular and then it just completely tanked and brought back up again. It's, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. You know, when you get to see that, it's like history that's being made. You don't have to be a skateboarding fanatic or an ex-game fanatic and in order to enjoy this mm -hmm. and that's what i liked about it a lot was it really kept me engaged mm -hmm. but that concludes all the uh, documentary reviews that we have for south by southwest and we will focus on a podcast that is for the narrative reviews next but yeah uh stay tuned hope you guys enjoy all right bye